Hello everyone, my name is Logan, and that does of course mean that you are listening to the Crowncast. And uh, we have a special episode today. We've been rolling out special episodes because you all like special content. Uh, And our special episodes do in fact mean special guests. Uh, That being said, with me as always today is Justin. Hello, Justin. Hey, Logan. And our special guest for the day comes from the Charlotte FC memes page. And we are very proud to be here with Jorge. Hello, Jorge. Hey, Logan. Hey, Justin. Uh, Hey, Jorge. We are obviously very pleased to have you. We have had this sort of like off and on. We're both Charlotte FC lovers, friendship, awkwardly working together thing. Uh, (laughs) You guys made a meme of us, which I think we can reasonably say made my whole year. Uh, it was it was spectacular. I've never been a meme before. Uh, would you like to take a second and tell us about Charlotte FC memes page and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity to to get on your uh, platform and uh, talk to the fans out there. So before I get into the Charlotte FC meme page, I'll tell you a little bit a little bit about myself. So uh, I'm Jorge and I run the Charlotte FC memes page on Instagram. Uh, I'm fairly new to Charlotte, so I moved here around two years ago from Atlanta for work. Um, and like many others that live here in Charlotte, um, I moved uh, to work in the banking industry. And so far, I've really enjoyed living here. You know, it's a very welcoming city, lots of like new restaurants and breweries. I feel like they're popping up like once, every, one every week type of thing. And the city's just growing uh, in a positive way. So, Although I've been here for a couple of years, I'm really glad I made the move. Uh, also, I'm a big soccer fan, or uh, how it's known everywhere else, a football fan. Yeah, I will uh, say we do actually use the, the terminology <laughs> football here. Uh, we have had to yell at some other people over that, so don't worry, you're not the first. <laughs> yeah, and I, I actually grew up playing it as a kid and watching it, and I played in the, you know the high school teams, played in the Sunday leagues and all that, so it's, it's a big part of me. Um, now, about the page and how I started, so... Um, as many others, I'm a big fan of watching memes, resharing memes and all that. And I actually communicate with some of my closest friends and family with memes all the time. So I grew up watching how memes kind of evolved over time. And it's now a big part of the internet and we kind of relay information to others that way. So when I heard the news that Charlotte was getting their own team, um, I knew I wanted to be part of that energy, that culture, that you know excitement. So I thought, what better way than to create a meme page? You know, I love football. I love watching memes. And I'm moving to Charlotte, so it was the perfect formula. Um, And to supplement that, you know, I had additional reasons. One was, since I was fairly new to the city, might be a good way to make new friends. But also, I wanted to make people laugh, right? Even if it's like a one to two second, you know, giggle laugh that someone has, you know, once a day, once a week, you know, that makes me happy. Um, and last point was, you know, I wanted to be, I wanted to be part of the Charlotte FC community and have some sort of sense of belonging to the city. So, you know, although we're super new to the MLS, um, you can see that these fans are really here to stay and support the team win or lose. And I love that, you know, sometimes I make celebration memes when we win and people really seem to enjoy that and, and like it and share it. And sometimes, you know, I have to be a little harsh and, post some losing memes or criticize our team a little but you know that's just kind of the way it goes um and lastly what i'll say is that you know over the past few months you know the account has been growing uh slowly but it's growing organically through people reposting the memes and just people seeing them in the reels and 
um, I'm just excited that I'm here and kind of putting my voice out there for the page. And I love to see the engagement with the Charlotte community um, and excited to see, you know, how much bigger this page can get over time. Yeah, we are. We are very happy to have you. And uh, we're not the only people that are happy to see your work. I mean, uh, your page is actually followed by by number 22 himself, the Fuchs official, uh, as well as some other big names. And if you want to know the other big names that follow that page, I'm not going to tell you on this podcast. I'm going to make you, the listeners, do the work. Go check out the page. Find out for yourself why we love it, why so many others love it. Uh, but we are going to bring you in not just to talk about your page today. You get to be a part of the Crown cast, and we're going to get your opinions on the game. So buckle up. Uh, we're just going to drop right into it. On Wednesdays, we usually go a little bit deeper into, into the goals or what we saw out of the game and what we should be expecting for the game. And we're going to go right into goal one. And we heard Justin's opinion of goal one uh, sort of in the post-react. And we're going to get a different viewpoint on that today. So, Jorge, right back to you. Could you talk to us a little bit about, about what happened for the, the first goal against Charlotte FC in this match? Yeah. Um, so I think this is just my opinion, but I think we just got a little overconfident you know, us playing at home, we know we have that field advantage. We have the crowd with us. And I think it really was just, you know, a blunder. It was just something that happened. And unfortunately, our defense did look a little sloppy, you know, the, at the beginning. And unfortunately, you know, when the ball came to Christian Fuchs, um, you know, he, he didn't clear it the right way. And the ball got stolen and we got scored on super early i think it was like at minute two two and a half oh yeah it was um, it was very early yeah yeah so i i mean i was pretty disappointed right because i was just settling in like i was <laughs> sitting down just getting all my snacks ready and then i see them score and i'm just like oh great is you know this is what we're gonna see for the rest of the game um so i'm glad though that we were able to pick it up but um that goal um should have been easily cleared out in my opinion yeah, one of the things that we discussed on our side in the post-react was that the there's a little spot underneath a player that the ball is actually quite hard to get out of. Um, you kind of have to roll it out and then hit it with power. And I think it just kind of gets trapped by Fuchs in that place. And by the time he realizes he can't get rid of it, it's it's beyond him. Uh, I, I will say I came into it with a very similar mentality of I, I saw this happen. I got instantly deflated. And then we had the uh, the pretty quick, I think it's fair to say, response on the other side of, of the field. And I was expecting just from that point on, it was going to be all guns blazing on both sides. You know, I thought we might ship two in this game, but we'd get four. Uh, we do go on to the second goal there with, with someone who has an assist in this game that I really wish didn't have an assist. Uh, Carol... Uh, Carol Swiderski, we have talked about now, really needing to find a way to light it up in front of the goal. Uh, he has a couple long rangers. He has, obviously, that beautiful free kick that we all remember so so crisply. But we haven't really seen this guy in the box producing yet. Uh, recently, we haven't really seen him produce at all. We talked about the last match and how, statistically, he was not creating offensive threat 
And we talked in the post-react in this match about how what we're kind of seeing from him now is him dropping deeper and almost acting as a playmaking midfielder to try and throw these long balls in. And kind of, not for the first time in Charlotte FC history, but for one of the early times, we actually do have somebody on the back post to go after one of these cross balls. You know, one of the things that we have seen a a lack of is that runner coming in strong off the back post that is capable of of holding off that defender and and getting the getting to those chances. And we see one here. You know, we turn immediately around on the pitch and we see this chance uh, crossed over by Carol Swiderski and then headed in, I think, quite well uh, by Andre Shinyashenki, who we will all agree is now honor-bound to score in every game. I think that's right. Uh, so the goals in this game, I feel like, are not products of of super creative play I feel like they're both, at least in these first two, are products of a little bit mistakes are made or or an over-the-top ball is taken. But Justin, I know we've talked about this before, so you might have something to say here. Do you want to chime in? Well, I just wanted to kind of bring us back to, because you know, I know it's something that, that got memed Jorge on the page, uh, to the big moment in the buildup for this one. You know, the because this is, right, this is where Yazwiak gets crunch down and ball goes out uh, yes. to the throw and it's a quick throw back that, that sets up Swiderski's cross. But, uh, you know, it, there was a, a video that got posted to the official MLS page where, uh, Charlie Davies, who I respect a lot when he was at the national team and everything like that, horrible injury kept them out, uh, from ever coming back, but they got a chance to take a look at a lot of the controversial stuff that happened called out Yazwiak here. They said, you know, he straightened his leg early. He was looking for the contact. I don't care if he was or wasn't. He's he's barged into and taken off the ball. I don't think there's a, uh, you know, despite what the, the official MLS channel might say on YouTube or anything like that, this is a penalty. It's fortuitous for us that we get it right back, but but this is absolutely a penalty. And, you know, Jorge, it's, it's something that I saw you call out on the main page too, and so you know, wanted to talk for, for a second about that one, see if you had anything else or hate to say there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think you, you saw the frustration in the players immediately. You saw it in the coach. I think coach might've even gotten a yellow card from it. Mm-hmm. Um, An assistant coach did. Yes. Yeah. And like it, 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 I think everyone can agree that was a penalty. Um, you know, it's just, I think that the ref might've, if he even checked it, it was like a five second thing. And he's like, Nope, not a penalty. Keep playing. Um, so I definitely had to make a meme about him because, um, it was just one of those calls that should have happened. And I know you guys give out cards <laughs> in uh, the podcast. I would definitely would give the ref a card for what he did. We can absolutely give you an honorary card here. Are you, are you going to, I'll tell you what, we'll give you an honorary card and an honorary crown. Do you want to use your art honorary card on the ref? I am. Okay. Uh, well, that that is uh, an honorary card to the referees, and Justin will be very proud because I don't let him do that very often. Uh, so, uh, oh, go I ahead. mentioned to Logan earlier in the season, Jorge, that uh, it reminds me a lot of uh, what the other team that plays in Bank of America Stadium had to deal with a couple years ago. Cam Newton got roughed after 
after he got a pass away and asked the officials where the, the flag was for it. And reportedly, the feedback from the officials were, you're not old enough to get that call. Yeah. And it feels like Charlotte FC is not old enough as a team to start getting these calls. And uh, it's it's really pretty aggravating. Yeah, and I mean, I think one of the things that you have to just... I realize it's so hard, or maybe it's so simple to say this. Maybe that's the way we should approach it. It's anywhere else in the field, that's a foul. If that's not happening directly in the box, that is a foul 100% of the time. And uh, guess what? A foul is a foul. It's not supposed to matter where it is. Uh, nor is it supposed to matter the age of the team. But... I think we are going to go ahead and push onto that because we do win this game. And Justin, I'm going to throw this over to you to talk about our winner because, frankly, I don't want to. It wasn't super pretty. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it briefly in the post that this is a Three Stooges goal, and and it literally is. You know, uh, we have not exactly a fast break, but the kind of attack that you want to see a team have uh, so you've got Mackenzie Gaines streaking down the middle and uh, Rios to the right of him Ortiz to the left and Gaines leaves the through ball short it gets cut out uh, trying to hit Rios running down the right the clearance from Vancouver hits Mackenzie Gaines you know it's a little bit of chest a little bit of shoulder a little bit of head uh, but it comes off of them the, the, there's another missed clearance by Vancouver and TD Ortiz is in a great spot to either cross it or try and shoot this, and he slips. He just falls over uh, with the ball caught in between his feet and somehow kind of half scrambles it back across the mouth of goal, and there's another missed clearance for Vancouver. And it happens to fall to Rios. At this point, Max Anker, the 4-17-year-old, I think he thought that there was going to be a better shot in this somewhere, and so he'd already gone kind of to ground to try and cover it. The ball slips back to Daniel Rios in the middle of the goal. And finally, something effective is done. And Rios slaps it into the back of the net. But it was one of the worst series of play I've ever seen resulting in a goal. Uh, I'm obviously incredibly happy that it gets us the three points. But the fact that this is the kind of goal we have to score, I think, is is one of the reasons that we had some issues and in the post react saying, Oh, we did well in this game. We, we feel good coming out of this match because that's the winner. We scramble it over the goal line after multiple missed, terrible clearance attempts by Vancouver and the ball smacking into Mackenzie Gaines and TDRT is tripping over it. And somehow we scramble it in. Yeah. I know that, you know, one of the things I say regularly on this is this is a sport of low of uh, it's a low scoring sport. Chances matter, and even random, crazy, poorly uh, poorly cleared chances can sometimes net you the three points. Uh, but I, I believe that, uh, Jorge, you wanted to get in on this. Do you have something to add? Yeah, so I 100% agree with Justin, right, that it was a pretty <laughs> sloppy goal. A goal's a goal, I get that. But um, looking at the like the big picture, you know, I'm glad we won and everything, but we should have won that game with way more goals. Right. Yeah. Vancouver had lots of players that were out, you know, we were playing with a, they were playing with a 17 year old third division goalkeeper mm-hmm. who at many times seemed very nervous um, just getting the ball. And what people were saying before the match was not, you know, is Charlotte going to win today, but rather it was, how much will they win by? So, you know, going back to, you know, seeing them get scored on first, then we 
struggled to hold that one to one score for a big portion of the game at home. To me, that was a little depressing, you know. And Rios for sure gets man of the man of the match, well deserved. But you know, we just had lots of missed opportunities throughout the whole game. Yeah, I think there's something that you point on there that's actually they they call it the wisdom of the people, and that is that the people have the people know. The people have expectations. You know, the not everything is known by the crowds, but in general, the entire fan base, their expectations are usually trending towards the correct directions, and everybody expected that we were going to at least look like we were going to put four or five in the goal today. And we, clear- yeah, I- oh, yeah, we clearly didn't. Uh, I am going to push off here. Justin, did you want to get in on this one? I mean, I just wanted to say real quick, you know, if we absolutely should want everything like that. I do want to say for, for Max Anchor, uh, something I found out after the game, um, he wasn't taking goal kicks because he was coming back from an injured quad himself. He wasn't oh, wow. 100% healthy. And so, you know, props to him for going out there at 17 years old, coming off of an injured quad and, and giving it for his team and everything. But you're right, Jorge. There's no reason we shouldn't have 20 shots, you know, 15 on goal in this match. We shouldn't, we should have been testing him more. We should have been trying more in this. And we just didn't. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, one of the things that we can, we can take a look at is we have, uh, it looks like six shots on target in this match. I will tell you, we did not create a lot. Uh, just our our little stats page here tells us in very uh, it's it's interesting because these are what things in theory should sort of domino out to but it's very rare they domino out as close as they have here the expected goals on this game is actually dead on two it's actually 2.1 for charlotte fc and it's dead on one uh for the vancouver whitecaps so in a, a bit of an odd display of statistics there, we are we are right on the expected goals and and what we actually saw out of the game, but we should have seen an expected goal value of of I think at least three point five in order to have considered this a team that went out there to really attack. Justin, would you say that's about fair? Yeah, I mean it, it, we we are not. In a match like this with a banged up Vancouver team that's already having trouble in MLS with a fourth string, you know, 17 year old keeper, it, we shouldn't be in a position where we only have what 18 total shots and only six on goal. Yeah, we should be target, yeah. peppering this a lot more. We should be creating more than three big chances in a game. We have 405 passes and only six shots on target. That's about right, yeah. Those ratios are are way out of whack, you know? That's not exactly what we want to see. And I will say, you know, 0.7 of our expected goal comes from Daniel Rios' one shot, which does, of course, go in. But that means that the rest of that game, we only put forward 1.3 expected goals, uh, which means without a couple of very badly missed clearances... Charlotte FC leaves that 90 minutes having put up 0.3 more expected goals than 
Vancouver Whitecaps when it was, I think, clear to everybody that the objective was we are going out there all guns blazing. And that doesn't feel like all guns blazing to me. Uh, do you want to get in on this, Jorge? Yeah, so, I mean, with the kind of players that we have, especially in the mid and forwards, right, we have Joe Zwiak, Sudarski, Shinyashiki, Bender, you can include him in there. Like, we have really good players that can shoot, and we've seen them shoot, but for some reason they just weren't shooting on target or as they got close to the box, instead of shooting, knowing, hey, there's a banged-up 17-year-old goalkeeper here, they would pass the ball, try to make fancy plays, or try to take on an additional player, and then we'd lose the ball. Um, It was just very disappointing. Yeah, and one of the things we'll talk again about is the fact that Carol Swiderski only puts up .3 expected goals in this match over two shots. And that is better than what he put up last time. That is at least now sort of trending in the more, we would call it, correct striker direction. But these don't look like numbers from a team who went out there to go and and really take it to their opposition. Uh, we are going to move on here because... One, real, real quick, Logan, I do want to call out one last stat oh, yeah, for absolutely. this match. And that's 16-3. and three. 16 fouls called against Charlotte, only three against Vancouver over the 90 minutes. Because I'm just still you're, salty you're about still, the You're still fuming? Uh, it's horrible. Every, every possible way to examine this, this is a horribly officiated match. Yeah, and I will say it so you don't have to. There's there's no way a, a football game ends with one team having committed 16 fouls and the other one committing three. I mean, it just doesn't happen. There are there are five fouls committed every game by every team by accident. I mean, like totally by accident. I wasn't looking in the correct direction. I accidentally tripped a player. There are five fouls committed. Uh, so uh, those numbers are, I think the correct word we're going to use here is questionable. And I think that means that the card that was given by our guest is not <laughs> questionable. It was, in fact, correct. <laughs> I am going to move us on here just a little bit because while uh, Charlotte FC does play football and football is the sport we love to talk about here on the Crowncast, we also get to talk about our sponsor in AHA Disc Golf. Uh, If you are a member of the Charlotte community and you play disc golf or you would like to play disc golf, AHA Disc Golf Shack is a community member that runs tournaments. They sell equipment and they travel all around and they're they love helping players get started. They love helping players find the, the tools that they need to bring their game to the next level. And if you mention uh, the Crowncast name, Aaron, the gentleman who runs it, will not only give you a discount on your purchase, he will also take you out into the field and help you learn what you need to play the game. So since disc golf is so massive in Charlotte, that's a pretty good deal. Justin, you want to tack anything on that one? Again, you know, uh, disc golf is a great opportunity to get out in the shade, uh, see some of the wonderful parks and courses that are around the town, uh, have a great time, you know, hang out with friends. And it is the kind of sport that has an entry level that can be as low as, you know, 10, 15 bucks to get a disc or, you know, as high as you want it to. An AHA disc golf shop can absolutely help you make sure you're getting the right ones. Yeah, that uh, we are very happy to have them. But we are going to transition it back to Charlotte FC. 
And uh, we're going to slide a little bit of an extra bonus in here. We said that, uh, Jorge, we were going to give you a an honorary card and an honorary crown. Uh, do you think you'd be comfortable giving out your crown, or do you want to get a little bit more time to think about it? Um, yeah, I can I can give a crown. So, um, obviously, I think Rios is probably already taken <laughs> since he got man of the match, and it's well-deserved. Believe it or not, um, I don't think either of us took Rios. So if you want to give Rios a crown, he does deserve it and would probably be a good shout out. Uh, you know what? I'm going to skip on that. Um, I am actually going to give my crown to someone that really stood out to me um, and just amazed me. And that's Kerwin Vargas. Okay. Uh, yep. Yeah. So he, you know, coming fresh in first game, I think he's definitely a player that we need to watch out for going forward um he had a lot of ambition on the field he took some pretty good shots and i don't know he just seems like someone that um will cause some trouble for our uh, upcoming games for for our opponents um so although you know he didn't score he didn't do much just the way that he played uh, for his first game and just the reaction from the crowd and, you know, people on Instagram, I think he deserves that crown. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a really good one to shout out because he does deserve it. Uh, so we will sort of push onward to our original expectations. Uh, and that is sort of updating or probably managing our expectations for this game or maybe said better for this team. We have talked on and off on this podcast about what we expect out of the team and how we should expect to see them develop. You know, we had a podcast very early on called update your priors because we were expecting this team to come in and really need time and really need to learn how to play together. And then all of a sudden they started banging in goals and winning football matches. And, and we were like, Whoa, Hey, uh, we're, we're getting good. We need to start treating this team like it's good. And now I think we're getting a little bit of the maybe return to the mean on on this problem. I personally struggle with the fact that I have started to address Charlotte FC Football Club as no longer the expansion team. They are now Charlotte FC Football Club. They have put together a roster that I believe is good enough to compete in the MLS. They have put some goals in the back of the net that I think are very skill-driven, that I think are repeatable. They have shown some defensive prowess that is respectable and uh, could be present in a, in a high-end team in the MLS. But all of the pieces aren't coming together. Uh, so this is something that I've been struggling with, of, of what should we say Charlotte FC is right now? Is it is it still a team with its training wheels on? Should we be taking the training wheels off, but probably expecting them to fall down a lot without them? What is what is the right expectation for us, the fans? And one of the things that, that I have really been asking myself is where do I see this team going from a system perspective? And Justin, I'm going to push this over to you because I'll be really honest with you. I vaguely see a diamond that does not look a lot like a diamond in our midfield. As far as the system this team is trying to push toward, do you see it? Is it a, is it trying to become a 4-3-3? Three, three? 
I think so. And I, I think so first and foremost, because historically that's some of what Miguel Angel Ramirez has played. That's what he has said publicly he would like to play uh, for Charlotte. But I don't know that it is the kind of 4-3-3 that I'm maybe a little bit more familiar with where we consistently play a nice passing game through the midfield. What it looks like to me still, and this is where I have some frustration and you know, when we talk about managing expectations, this is one of the reasons that I think we're, we're probably at the moment uh, sort of a bottom third of the MLS, not bottom of the MLS, but, you know, we're in that last third of teams uh, across all of Major League Soccer for, for, you know, where we're at. We're not a team that can collect the ball, uh, you know, take possession, turn and progress quickly upfield. We're a team that looks to reset Every time we get the ball, it, we're a team that looks, I think, too much for the ball over the top. You know, I think that the the diamond that we're playing looks a lot like the 4-3-3 that uh, Miguel Angel Ramirez, you know, sort of wants us to be playing where, where we've got, um, you know, now Shinyashiki and Yazwiak likely or, you know, Vargas is probably in the mix in that too, that are going to play wide left and right up front. Um, most likely it's going to be Swiderski through the middle. Uh, I, we talked a little bit uh, after the post react on uh, Sunday or, or Monday that um, I'd like to maybe see Vargas and, uh, and, and Yazwiak on the wings and maybe Shinyashiki gets an opportunity to run out up the middle, but then there's this, is the diamond in the midfield sort of a, uh, Swiderski at the striker's position is sort of at the point, and then we've got the in this match, uh, Bender and, and Alcivar playing behind him, and then Bronico at the base of the diamond. Or is it a 4 3 3 where you know in the midfield you do have the the Bender and Alcivar spreading wider, and Bronico playing that uh defensive midfield? Um, I think though that we're settling into this is going to be you know this this type of midfield i've said before i don't know that we should be playing a, a two attacking midfielder uh midfield three i'd like to see maybe Derek jones get a run out or you know franco in a more holding type of role or ruiz in a more holding type of role uh playing behind you know a bender or an alcivar or Ortiz in the the sole attacking mid role um but even you know no matter what you do to the midfield of this team yeah. if we continue to play over the top from the back the the who populates the midfield and everything is is less important because it looks like their sole responsibility right now is to uh, try and break up the play and then play back to the back four and in particular to the center backs well, to gonna, recycle the play. I'm going to cut in on you here because I do want to talk about the midfielders, but I'm actually going to bounce this over to Jorge. Jorge, the midfielders that we have, I think most of us would agree on paper, look like the type of midfielders who could put together a good center of the pitch for an MLS team. We have a young player in Ben Bender who has shown a lot of talent, although he is faded recently. Uh, we have a couple of big names in there, and we have some very fast players in Jordi Alcivar and T.D. Ortiz. 
our midfield is not really functioning. Do you have any opinions on on what you're seeing and maybe like what the role of the midfield in these systems should actually be? Yeah, so I I agree on that, especially, you know, there was so much noise about Bender when you know, we acquired him and it was like, oh, he's in, he's the next superstar, he's going to be scoring left and right and he really has um not shown that, but I think sometimes players just don't have the chemistry when they play with other specific players. You know, they could be amazing players in other teams that have, you know, scored many goals or have made X amount of assists. But then when you put them, you know, in a different team, sometimes it's just not there. And, you know, it's kind of like if you go on a date with someone, right, and the sparks are just not there, you could be an amazing person with lots of great qualities and your date could be the same. But when you put them together, it's not a match no matter how hard you try. And I think that's partly what's happening here. You know, players are just not playing well with each other. It could be maybe because it's still fairly new, but I'm just not seeing it there. And, I mean, another reason I think it could be it is just um, what Justin was saying with the formation. Maybe we just don't have the right formation or maybe the players are not in the right uh, positions, uh, which could be causing some of those issues. Yeah, I actually really like what you said there because we talked earlier on about the fact that Jalen Lindsay and Guzman Corujo and our right defensive sort of pod really developed a good relationship with each other and as a result made that right defensive pod really hard to break down and most of the threat early on in the season was coming down of our, our left. Maybe there's just no chemistry. I mean, maybe, maybe just the people in that midfield right now are not... Uh, are not on the same wavelength and and can't use their abilities to the fullest. Uh, I think that there's a lot of talent in there, but we talked about it. If if Brant Bronico has the ball and is looking to progress up the field, right now he does not have an option that is directly in front of him. The the space in between the attacking line and the defensive midfield is just empty. Uh, whether that's because we saw Alon Franco far off on the right side wing, or whether that's because we see Ben Bender sort of pushing up and a little bit advanced, there's not, there's no bodies in there. They're not making runs to become available, and as a result, defenses don't have to push themselves onto Brant Bronico. They can just sort of let him sit there and not really be a threat. This frustrates me because I feel like we are set up as a team to play a very dominate the midfield space, pass through the middle, use the width to tear people apart, you know, force people inside so so speed merchants like Kamala Yazwiak can go out on the right side and just have one-on-ones that they fancy all day long. And none of this is connecting. And... I do really struggle, and maybe Justin, I'll ask you this question is, am I looking at this team and saying, I see what it can be, and it's not that? Is that the fault of Miguel? Is he not able to get what he wants out of his players, and he's putting them in a system that is leading them to failure? Is it the fault of the players who are maybe slow on the upkeep on what could be a good system? Or is it nobody's fault, and I'm expecting, or maybe is it my fault, 
And I'm expecting a team that still has training wheels on to be firing on all cylinders. It's unfair to expect this team to be doing better than it currently is, given, you know, a lot of the individual talent. I say that as a Manchester United fan that watched their club full of individual talent fall apart this season. But, um, it, you know, there is a lot of individual talent here. I, I just, I personally, I feel like the system doesn't necessarily fit the players. If we're looking for balls over the top, then where the midfield, where the attacking midfielders in this Vancouver match, that's Bender and Alcibar, could be is 15 yards behind, uh, you know, our wingers. Uh, and then tucked a little inside. And the, the point should be, you play the, the ball over the top, you look for the knockdown, and Alcivar and Bender are there to collect the knockdown and begin the attack three-quarters of the way up the field. Um, if you want to play through the midfield, then Alcivar and Bender need to be playing further back and need to be available for those passes from Bronico. And Bronico and Carujo and, and you know, whether it's Fuchs or McCoon, whoever it is, they need to be permitted to pass forward you know maybe bypass ronico if it's the right pass but but play it up to bender or play it out wide to mora or or you know in this case it's awful making the the runs outside and i don't see when those passes are open i don't see our center backs looking to make those passes all i see is our center backs looking to play over the top and and it just feels to me like a system that doesn't necessarily fit the parts and I'm a little confused about who then is buying the parts for the system. Yeah, and I will be perfectly clear here because I think part of this is on Ramirez and part of this is on me. And maybe part of this is on whoever is making the purchasing decisions as far as players are concerned for Charlotte FC. Because we're not bad. And by no, by no means am I implying that what we're seeing here is some form of of disaster case. I mean, if you go on right now to the MLS website, you can find them. And I pulled this up because I remembered reading it. They say Charlotte has been by has Charlotte has been far from the utter disaster Miguel Ramirez warned us all about in preseason. Uh, they're generally compact and difficult to break down, and mostly don't beat themselves. They don't have many match winners, but otherwise are showing out as a great team. And that's damn good. I mean, that's that's very, very good. And I think they may be a little bit of a victim of their own success in this because we are seeing them for what they could be, and we're just not getting that yet. I am going to go ahead, and I'm going to jump us over. Jorge, do you have any, any last statements do you want to make on the club? I mean, do you feel like like I'm the crazy one, do you feel like we could get more out of the system or do you feel like we need to demand more out of these players? No, I think overall, I mean, I, I saw a stat somewhere. I'm trying to remember now, but I think it said like Charlotte FC was the second lowest paid or had invested the, you know, the least in their players at like 10 million, I think was the, the amount versus you have other teams like, Atlanta United, Inter Miami, LA Galaxy, who've spent like between twenty twenty five million dollars uh, collectively or on players. So, you know, sometimes you just have to play with what you got. And I think the coach said that in his last interview. He said, "You know, I'm not Harry Potter. I don't do magic. I." It was a good I, interview. 
yeah, I do, I do with what I got and I shut my mouth. Um, so I am, yeah, I think we should demand a little bit more from our players, but at the same time we are playing with what we got when, you know, we're going against some of these teams that are signing, you know, superstars. Um, it's going to be a little bit difficult. And I'm thinking of like enter Miami that soon, uh, if it's true, we'll get messy. <laughs> and it's, you know, who, uh, who, who's that for us? I mean, I think that uh, almost everyone at this point in time has been linked with Messi, but uh, maybe let's hope it's not Inter Miami. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he'll go to a Turkish league or something. Uh, I will. <laughs> I will move us along because while we talk about these things, and ultimately this this game, despite the three points, felt really kind of down. We didn't see the we didn't see the progression in the team that we wanted to see. And that leads me to sort of what will be our final talking point of the day. And I'll push this to Justin. And that is, Justin, at what point do you want to see process? And at what point do you want to see we just have to get three points? I think we need to go into every match feeling like we need to get the three points. And I think that that, that means that sometimes some of these players occasionally need to be able to freelance. I, I think that there is I think there there's a little bit of a freelancing spirit that we saw from Kerwin Vargas when he caught what when he got a chance to come on. I think we see a little bit of it maybe from Shinyashiki. I don't know if maybe, you know, cutting him loose to freelance a little bit might unlock TD Ortiz, you know, who uh -huh. was expected to be good, you know, expected to be a real game changer when he came. And I don't I, I haven't personally been super impressed with Ortiz's play. I mean, well, one of the things we have criticized Ortiz of in the past is is freelancing too much. So I know. You know maybe he actually needs to stick to the system. I will say one of my concerns was that throughout that game, you know, not getting the chance to watch it in the stadium, I really tried to look at what shape the team was trying to hold, and I did not understand it. Um, whatever shape they are, they're trying to create both defensively and offensively, it seems very fluid. It seems very confusing. And I think it's safe to say that if it's confusing for us, it's probably confusing for the players on the field who ultimately have to do it without looking at the field top down. Uh, we are going to sort of push on, and I'm going to start to wrap us up, because ultimately, despite our our kind of down feeling on this game. We do win. We do bumble it over the line. It does count as three points uh, and three very needed points. And thus far, our team has has come to this place where it is referred to, and I am quoting the MLS site here, as sometimes dangerous, but always respectable. And I think that's fair for how far we have come in our time as the expansion team. Uh, really quick, I am going to say... Jorge, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, do you have any final thoughts or anything you'd like to uh, wrap up with about the memes page? Yeah, no, I appreciate the opportunity to, again to to you know spread my word here of my page, but also have an opportunity to talk to you guys about the game and just my thoughts on the players and all that. So uh, thank you for that, and for all the listeners out there, you know, if you haven't done so already. Um, go follow Charlotte FC memes page on Instagram. Um, go tell a friend, go tell a friend's friend, go tell your grandma, your grandma's dog, <laughs> anyone, because at the end of the day, 
the page is for you, the fans, and I'm just here to make you guys laugh. So the more followers, the more we can spread the the cheer and the the ups and downs of the team in a meme form. Yeah, that is fantastic. And we will also uh, wrap it up here. We have a game that we are going to very shortly have to get to because Charlotte FC is not done yet. We are actually in the round of 16 versus the New York Red Bulls for the U.S. Open Cup. So as ever, we thank you so much for spending your time with us, and we will talk to you again after we beat Charlotte or after we beat New York Red Bulls. Goodbye.